4: It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason play like a jet. What does that
1: mean? Here they come on third and five Wilson
4: Boy, somehow escapes is gonna run for
1: it Swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess, Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown. Into the NCAA record books. Listen, thank
5: you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a Jet1. And no practice today because the Jets got their second victory of the 2022 preseason Their first victory of the 2022 preseason at MetLife Stadium 24-16 over the Atlanta Falcons So we're going to answer some of your questions with our friend who covers the Jets over at JetsXFactor.com A website that he co-founded, Mr. Robbie Sabo Robbie, what's up, brother?
4: Hey, Scotty too hotty what's up, brother?
5: It's funny you mentioned Scotty Tuhati because I just was watching an old WWF match from the 90s where Scotty Tuhati, a.k.a. Scott Taylor, was a jobber getting his brains beat in. At that point in time, we never would have known that he would be the guy to invent the worm.
4: I know the worm with Jerry the King Lawler's son who rest in peace. And uh, Rikishi Wasn't Rikishi with them for a while too? He sure
5: was and it's funny you mention Rikishi Because I saw him too He was a member of the Head Shrinkers with Samu Samu and Fatu And at that time they were these vicious Samoans Who would have known that one day Fatu would end up in the WWE Hall of Fame As a dancing
4: sumo wrestler yeah, that's uh, that's one I didn't have in the scorecard, I'll tell you that
5: <laughs> You know what else I didn't have in my scorecard, Robbie? I didn't have in my scorecard Chris Strevler becoming the Tom Brady of the preseason Dubboat opens up our mailbag question by asking Why the Jets shouldn't just ride with Strevler, a.k.a. The preseason Tom Brady and trade away Zach Wilson and then David Yaffe follows up with Strevler has a little Gardner Minshew in him and I love Gardner Minshew. I could totally see the Gardner Minshew thing. I think Strevler, if anything maybe they're able to try and sneak him onto their practice squad. He's done really well this preseason. But let's not get carried away. Robbie, you said yesterday when we did the postgame report that if the Jets are going to go with Chris Strevler over Mike White, that would mean that they're just not going to carry three quarterbacks. They would carry Strevler or White until Zach Wilson is back from injury. So I don't think Strevler has a realistic chance to make the active roster. But I wouldn't be totally shocked if they try to sneak him onto the practice squad. And we already know that he's become a fan favorite. I think he's eclipsed Mike White now in terms of fan favoriteness. Is that a word? Is that a term? Oh, I just made it up, but either way, yeah. it now exists. I'm making it a term.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think you're you think you're 100 right. And Stravler just needs a nickname. You know, that's I was thinking about that earlier. He, he's a tough last name to figure out a nickname for, but if he can get that down, maybe he has a better shot. Um, but yeah, the, with this depth chart, with the lack of injuries, you really wanna if you could get away with just carrying two quarterbacks, that would be perfect. And, you know, it all depends on Zach Wilson. If he's fine, you know, to start the season, that's a little shaky. You might need Mike White to be the backup week one. Although he was terrible, you know, against Atlanta, you know, late release, late getting there, just late in so many regards in terms of timing. Um, But yeah, that's, I think they like Straveler. I like Straveler, but I think he's the perfect practice squad guy because although there might be some teams interested in snagging him it's tough to keep that guy on your active roster and that's what you would have to do if you, if you take him from the jets practice squad so he's the perfect practice squad player That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human led and tech powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at the newequation.com.
3: Play like a jet.
2: Play like a jet.
5: Jay Krutzberger asks, what exactly was Bryce Hall doing against the Falcons? Playing very poorly is what (laughs) happened, I guess you could say. Robbie, I think you nailed it. After that Pitts play where he got burned on the double move, he played it so conservative that he ended up, as DJ Khaled would say, playing himself because he really was bad the rest of the night, and a big part of it is because he was afraid to take chances. We know that Bryce Hall is limited. By his lack of elite athleticism And his lack of elite speed That shows up from time to time And there's a reason that the Jets went out Paid DJ Reed and drafted Sauce Gardner And a big part of it is because We all like Bryce Hall We think that he's a solid cornerback But solid and actually good starter Are two very different things He's much better off being that third or fourth Boundary cornerback And we were reminded of that against the Falcons
4: Yeah, and the other thing too is he had Pinnock on his side, as opposed to Sauce, who would have Park start opposite Pinnock, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that side was just locked down. Whenever they went too deep, played quarters, played cover four, the Park Sauce side was just locked down in zone compared to the Pinnock uh, Hall side. And if you watch the, it was like a eight to ten yard uh, gain he gave up. It was cover four. He was playing it so conservatively, and this was the the first play he gave up after the Kyle Pitts double move. And, and when you're a corner and you get beat, that stuff sticks in your mind. So usually he's good in zone. He's so much better in zone than he is man-to-man. But tonight it was everything. You know, Atlanta, I, I credit Arthur Smith and the way he he ran a lot of uh, zone beaters against what you knew Sala would run and Olbrook would run, a lot of cover three, a lot of cover four, a lot of vanilla stuff. So I think, you know, from a scheme standpoint, even though it's the preseason, the Jets coaching staff didn't do their players any favors. But Bryce Hall had a hell of a terrible night. That's for sure.
5: Brick City Will asks, if you were making the roster, would it be Cager or Wesco? Realistically, I'm not sure either one of them makes it. I like Cager; I think he's played very well. But they already have three tight ends. I'm not sure what you do with him. And Wesco, let's just be honest, he's not that good. I guess if they want to try him at fullback, maybe they could justify keeping him, but I just haven't seen anything from Wesco that would make me want to keep him.
4: Yeah, it, I guess it all depends on a couple of things. Number one, are all the receivers healthy? Because if all the receivers healthy are healthy, they could just carry five and not carry a six guy. Why? Because you know LaFleur's going to run a ton of two-tight sets. Number two... Is Bowden going to be on this team? I think they want him on the team. He's injured right now. And if he's on the team, you know, why would you kind of need Wesco? But then at the, on the same time, I think when dealing with a tiebreaker, the floor will always take the blocker. And I think for that, Wesco beats out Yaboa or Kager, who had a, you know, and Kager's really. I go back and forth Kager and Cager. I don't know why. But Cager's really an excellent weapon to have in terms of a tight end. He could kind of be like a hybrid ride receiver six, you know, hybrid tight end four. He's an excellent weapon to have in pass only situations for matchups. But you know, considering the floor, I'll give Wesco the tiebreaker.
5: Next question comes in from Avery Atkinson. He says, given the Zach Wilson injury, I assume you keep four quarterbacks on the 80 and maybe the 53. Do you let Strevler play second team reps over Mike White next preseason game to see if he continues this hot streak? I'll go back to what I said before. I don't think Strevler is going to make the roster. I think Mike White will probably end up being the backup to Joe Flacco. If Strevler is somehow able to pass Mike White on the depth chart, I think he's only the backup to Flacco until Zach Wilson is ready to go and then he would be released or demoted to the practice squad or whatever it is. As far as Mike White and Strevler and how you should handle the reps – that's a tough one because my heart says Give Strebler more reps But my head says the coaching staff Really likes Mike White and they're not going To do that so I don't see It happening but I wouldn't be against It because I really enjoy Strevler. He's giving us some fun in the preseason Which we're not used to as Jets fans Let's be honest it's been a while since we've had Fun watching this
4: team in the preseason Yeah I like him too And I guess here here's the Deciding factor now if you're coaching Streveler, what do you do? If you design an offense for him, it's it's different than what we see right now. When I was watching Mariota, uh, you know, on his in his first quarter, I saw a lot of the stuff Arthur Smith did for him in Tennessee. A lot of pistol, a lot of stuff where you can get Mariota involved in the running game. You know, with design QB runs, and that's the type of offense you'd want for Streveler to maximize what he could do. So. Jets don't run that offense with Flacco, with Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson can run. You know, he might take the occasional zone read or read option, but it's not designed for Strebler. So I think that's – it's really tough to go back and forth. So I think that's the tiebreaker there where I think you're right. The coaching staff likes Mike White, and I think that's the safer option. Uh, let him start against the Giants. See if he could rebound. You know, although he's not Johnny Unitas, I think he's better than what he showed – uh against atlanta so let them rebound maybe get streveler in there maybe do a quarter 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 type thing where you go mike white streveler mike white streveler try to um spread the wealth a little bit i doubt they do that that's more of a college thing you don't want to really do that in the nfl but the idea is get both of them involved see what happens and uh and then assess from there
5: Next question comes in from Godson5. He says, how much leash does Jeff Ulbrich have and how many games until Jets fans should start to panic? There are some troubling signs, and it's not just how this team has played in the preseason on defense. The players are there. We should be seeing better results. I get it. Believe me, I'm not going to freak out over some preseason games. But this defense was absolutely terrible last year. I know they didn't have the best team in the world, but when you have Jeff Ulbrich working with Robert Sala on the defense, you expect better than to be the absolute worst defense in the league. Now they've got better players, so we should see better results. If this team is still one of the worst defenses in the league. Five six games into the season, I think you're going to start to hear some whispers about a change being made. I hope it doesn't come to that. By the way, but they're not going to be able to have the luxury of waiting if this team is as bad or anywhere near as bad as they were on defense last year with all the upgrades they made. Then I think that Jeff Ulbrich's head is going to be on the chopping block.
4: Yeah, I'm with you 100. And it's you know, I mean, Godson, they didn't they didn't have the players last year. Let's be honest. Yeah, they're. Their starting secondary tonight was basically the second team, and that was their starting secondary last year. I mean, who did they have? Eccles, Bryce Hall, uh, rotating 10, 12 different starting safeties. So they didn't have the players last year. Carl Lawson was out. But still, you know, again, and I said it on the uh, post-game podcast, the imagination, it's just so player-reliant this scheme and it's it, it it brings up a question in terms of whether this scheme is outdated or not, you know, Pete Carroll, Seattle has moved away from it. Uh, there have been people who have claimed that it, it is outdated, that it is really reliant upon talent. And when you're coaching, you don't want to be put in a situation where you have to rely on talent. Yeah. Talent's the goal. Talent's great. But you want to try to find a solution to where you could raise the ceiling and Depending on the talent you have, so we'll see. You know, four or five games for sure. You know, if they're not getting it done and they have, they don't have the injuries and they have the players, the, the panic should be there. Olbrich played; he was an he was a monster linebacker. He had a great attitude. He's the perfect uh, coach in terms of mentality. But I wonder is Olbrich and Sala good enough in terms of the X's and O's? And that's a question that's really sticking in my mind right now.
5: Next question comes in from Kyle Michael. He says, I know a lot of starters on the defensive line were out, but the team had a lot of players on defense that are expected to make an impact playing the game and still gave up some big plays. Obviously, it's preseason, so you can't read that much into it, but I'm curious if anyone in particular or any play in particular stuck out to you as being concerning along the defensive line. Robbie, anything in particular you noticed? Defensive
4: line, not so much. You know, I actually liked a lot of what the defensive line did. You know, Bradley and I was really disciplined, and the edge players were really disciplined. Uh, Arthur Smith tried a couple of boots, more than a couple. And Bradley and I, on a couple of them, won the strip sack for a touchdown, you know, remained disciplined, didn't get sucked down. And that's what that's the first thing you ask for. And they really did a good job. I guess the only concerning thing thing is up the middle. You know, when Nathan Shepard's out there, that doesn't really instill a lot of confidence in me. He gets moved a lot. Um, you know, I like I like what Marshall did. I like Tanzel Smart. I like Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas had a hell of a night. It's not flashy, but he plays big and he did a lot of. he, he had a few good plays when Atlanta tried some mid to outside zones in that zone rushing scheme, and Solomon Thomas showed up big. So the D line, I was pretty happy with. It was more so the coverage. The communication was not there, and it was the second team. But, you know, it's got to be better. Even if they're not disguising coverages, which they're not, it's vanilla. It's got to be better than what uh, what we saw.
5: JP Waxer asks, where is Ashton Waldo Davis? Is he even on the team? It's funny you bring him up because he really has done not much of anything in training camp, and he hasn't done anything in the preseason either. He's very much on the roster bubble, and at this point, I wouldn't guarantee that he makes this team. Yeah, he's in trouble because
4: you got Whitehead, Joiner, and, it, and it's clear here in Sala speak on Saturday uh, after the second day of scrimmage against Atlanta. He wants that veteran next to Whitehead at safety. He's, he's sick and tired of seeing the youth out there, uh, especially from last year. So Joyner, the only question with Joyner is if he stays healthy. And Joyner, Whitehead, and then you got Parks, who I think is making the team, and Pinnock. I see, and I like Elijah Riley, and I know the coaching staff likes Elijah Riley too. He's tough, he's got a great mindset, he's gritty, he just doesn't have the range and NFL safety needs. So maybe Riley could sneak under the practice squad. But Ashton Davis is number five in my mind right now. And it's tough to carry five safeties. The only way you could do that is if you cut a cornerback short and consider Pinnock a hybrid, a hybrid corner safety. So, you know, it might be up to Joiner's health in terms of if Ashton Davis makes or not. He, you know, he's really athletic, uh, third-round pick. Douglas won't want to cut him. But his football instincts just aren't there. And that's that's a that's a shame because he's a hard worker. You know he's a good tight character type guy you want in the building. But uh, you know it's it's he's on the line right now. It's close.
5: Next question comes in from Rod He asks, if you were making the decision, would you keep Jonathan Marshall or Nathan Shepard at defensive line? If that's my choice, I'd have to take Jonathan Marshall because I just haven't seen anything from Nathan Shepard that's ever really impressed me. I know he's had a few good games here and there, but he's at the end of his contract. Marshall's still at the beginning of his contract, and there's still some hope and upside with Marshall. So if you're asking me to pick one of the two, I'd go with Marshall.
4: Yeah, I agree. I'm picking Marshall, too. And I'm probably taking Tenzel Smart over Shepard as well. And I'm not trying to dunk on Shepard right now, but he just he just gets moved too much for that big frame of his. And his value comes in the intrinsic stuff like the, the culture stuff, the leadership stuff, the locker room stuff. That's where he really shines on this roster and the coaching staff loves him. So, you know, terms of on the field. Yeah, I'm taking Marshall.
5: Michael Backus asks, I know a lot of people are asking about Jeff Olbrick, but if the defense continues to struggle like this, isn't that also a very negative reflection on Robert Sala, not just because he hired Ulbrich, but because this is his scheme and he's supposed to be a defensive mastermind. If the defense is one of the worst in the league again, shouldn't he get a lot of the blame for that? Yeah, of course he should. Even though Ulbrick is a defensive coordinator, it's Salah's scheme. Salah hired him, and Salah's supposed to be one of the brightest defensive minds in the league. So no question about it. If this defense ends up being bad again, especially after making all those upgrades, people should be pointing the finger at Robert Salah just as much, if not more, than Jeff Ulbrich.
4: Yeah, 100%. And listen, with Salah... You got to think of a couple things. Is he an X's and O's guy? There's plenty of head coaches in this league, you know, past and present who are not X's and O's guys where they're just motivators, where they're they're rah-rah types. Um, and Sala could be that, you know, in the Legion of Boom days, he was not the D.C. In San Fran, he was the D.C. And a lot of fans have, you know, this mental image of Salah being a tough head coach, being this tough guy. He's not. You know, he's a player's coach. He respects these guys. He expects them to do the right thing. He doesn't get in their face. How much discipline is there? I don't know. You you get that mental image because he's yelling at the refs, because he's hyping up his team on the sideline. He's fiery. He needs the hold back, guy. So his perception is different. And then when he was the DC, you know, that, that one chance he's had, he had excellent talent in San Fran. So, is he too scheme dependent? Is it because he was just, you know, brought up in this scheme as to why he runs it exclusively? That's number one. And number two, can he get the defense to be aware enough to to be aware of what the offense is doing, you know, when running the ball? You know, if if the offense is trying to misdirection them to death with counters, with draws, will they stop shooting gaps like madmen Men and, and start to play patient and two-gap it and, that's what I want to see. I want to see awareness. I want to see that grow, and that's that's a major question. And we'll see. we we'll, it will. We'll know very quickly. That's the good answer. We'll know very quickly. You know, over the first quarter of the season, I think this year.
5: Robbie Sabo, co-founder, of JetsXFactor.com. Thanks so much for coming on and answering some mailbag questions with me. Really appreciate it. Lots of great content over at JetsXFactor.com. I know that you guys have everything from Joe Blewett sixty-four hour film reviews. To a ton of great written content What are people in store for When they go over to JetSexFactor.com And subscribe
4: uh, they, People are in store for a huge smile You know They <laughs> smile throughout the entire 20 hour Joe Blewett film reviews uh, Michael Michael Nanias You know Brilliant uh, 5,000 word analytical stories It's all at JetSexFactor.com You will not be disappointed And you'll be smiling all day I promise
5: Nothing better than smiling all day. So make sure you head over to jetsxfactor.com and subscribe. Also, head over to playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some fantastic all 22 breakdowns, including one for every single member of the Jets 2022 rookie class watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. It's youtube.com slash play like a jet. Visit our store tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers Quentin Williams bless you thank you shirt. The Zach says go long shirt. The Zach the Ripper shirt. The play like a jet logo shirt. Caps mugs hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com That's tee and be sure to give us a five star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time. Doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLegajet.com.
1: Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.